0: Hello everybody, I'm Kathy Yang. This is the podcast edition of Business Nightly. Philippine shares have ended the week on a somber note, finishing flat as the earnings season came to a halt. As Michelle Long tells us, the main index also snapped six weeks of gains.
1: Philippine shares saw listless trade Friday as third-quarter earnings season officially wrapped up. The verdict? <laughs> it was a mixed bag. Investors also got their first chance to react to the earnings of the Gokongwei Group's holding company, JG Summit, which came out after trading hours the day before. Its petrochemical business and higher expenses paired gains posted by its airline business, Cebu Air, and its real estate and banking units. JGS is the last blue chip to report earnings.
2: What's very interesting about JG Summit is if you look at the individual company level, they did sort of mirror their their peers. You had banking, which is doing well. We think banking stands to do well because uh, falling rates uh, will translate into lower yields and that should be good for trading gains. Um, It seems that uh, real estate was basically flat. Uh, and consumer was mixed. What was stellar, of course, was Cebu Pacific.
1: Other companies that reported would be the Ayala Group's logistics arm, formerly called Prime Orion, posting a 29% drop in third-quarter profit despite revenue slipping. The group says it benefited from the sale of shares held by a subsidiary while leasing revenues jumped 31%. Meantime, Dennis Oyst logistics company Chelsea saw third-quarter income fall 54 percent despite strong top-line growth. The group cites losses on equity investments but says the bigger ships it deployed are expected to rake in revenues after one full year of operations. And finally, Megawide saw slight increase in revenue for the nine-month period at nearly 14 billion pesos. It says 2020 should be stronger as construction revenues catch up. Airport operations normalize, and Ptex realize its full commercial potential. Finance costs also expected to taper off by then. For the day, the PSE index closed flat, off by less than a tenth of one percent at 79.32. Philippine shares also snapping a five-week winning streak, down for the week by 1.6 percent.
2: Keep a lot in cash uh, to to um, uh, be able to grab at opportunities. Um, I spend a lot of my time thinking what Pogo will, will look like in the next one or two years. Uh, you see, unlike other factors, this one is politically driven as opposed to market driven. So having said that, you could really have uh, you know, um, significant swings in either way.
1: Michelle Long, ABC,
0: Foreign portfolio investments, or hot money, rushed back into the country in October. Data from the Philippine Central Bank show $105 million of hot money flowed into the economy last month, a reversal from the over $232 million in net outflows in September. Nearly 82% of the hot money were invested in companies listed at the Philippine Stock Exchange. The Central Bank attributes this to the continued slowdown of the country's inflation and the slew of initial public offerings at the PSE. Foreign portfolio investments, speculative funds controlled by investors who actively seek short-term returns and high interest rate investment opportunities. Remittances from Filipinos overseas continue to rise in September. Data from the Philippine Central Bank show cash remittances reached $2.4 billion in September. That's 9% higher than the figure recorded last year. This development brings the total cash remittances for the first nine months of the year to over 22 billion dollars. The bulk came from the U.S., followed by Saudi Arabia, Singapore, United Arab Emirates and Japan. Personal remittances, which include those in-kind and house-to-house transfers, reached $2.6 billion. That's up 6% year-on-year. The central bank says growth in personal remittances was driven by steady remittance inflows from land-based overseas Filipino workers. The Philippine Trade Department threatens to impose tariffs on Thailand's automotive exports amid a decade-long dispute over cigarette imports. For more on this, we now have on the line Philippine Trade Secretary Ramon Lopez welcome to the program segment
3: hello hello Kathy good evening yes. so, good evening, everyone
0: can you confirm this the Trade Department is ready to slap tariffs and autos imported from Thailand
3: well, yeah, basically what we intend to do is to still continue the discussion with our counterpart in the Thai Commerce Ministry so that uh, hopefully they could uh, honor the uh, decision at the World Trade Organization on uh, their decision with regards to our cigarette exports uh, issue, uh, uh, cigarette exports to Thailand, and uh, so that we can uh, settle this issue once and for all.
0: So, is a slapping tariffs the last resort? Then, is that going to be something that you'd put up on the table? Because, as I understand, the talks have gone on for for 10 years.
3: Yes, uh, but definitely, um, we're looking at that as a fallback position to. Uh, just following the rules. That uh, you know, if uh, decisions are not followed, uh, that uh, we can of course uh, be given compensation and uh, be allowed some retaliatory measures. So that's uh, that's that's uh, one of the uh, possible options being considered moving forward. But in the meantime, we as much as possible we try to make a, a more amicable settlement with our uh, Thai uh, Commerce Ministry.
0: Could you take us through the uh, the issue, uh, Secretary Mon? It's an act of retaliation prompted by a long-standing uh, trade dispute involving Philip Morris. It's one of the world's biggest cigarette makers. Uh, what role has Philip Morris had in in this government-initiated plan?
3: No, uh, the uh, the issue basically covers the uh, the exports of cigarettes to Thailand, and there were allegations that they they were uh, undervalued and uh, and therefore, they, they were supposed to be given a certain penalty. Uh And of course, that those were uh, disputed and uh, they taken to court. Uh, the, the World Trade uh, Court affiliate uh, body afterwards. And uh, twice the decision has been in favor of the Philippines. So we are waiting for the uh, conclusion and uh, the implementation uh, of the decision. Uh, and, and basically, this thing, the... Uh, the, uh, the barrier uh, that our exporters uh, do experience uh, entering the Thai market. Um, and if there's no resolution, of course, the Philippines can uh, consider options to impose countermeasures um, uh, the, on, on certain Thai products. So that Such is, uh, as? What a we sort are of are countermeasures? Uh, so it could be also uh, in some form of compensation with respect to possibly putting some uh, special safeguards, uh, tariffs on some Thai products. And that is something we are currently considering. Uh, 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 At liberty to divulge uh, the specific plants there too.
0: But, Sekmana, how much of a loss is uh, being sustained from, from Thailand's restrictive measures against cigarettes imported from the Philippines? Could you give us a ballpark figure?
3: Uh, can, can you repeat that? How much is the what? Yeah.
0: Yes, the loss that is being sustained by the uh, alleged restrictive measures against the cigarettes imported from the Philippines.
3: Um, I, it runs to hundreds of uh, millions of dollars. I don't have the exact figure, but it's quite big because we're a big uh, exporter of some tobacco products to Thailand, um, and uh, certainly. Um, uh if we are to consider countermeasures, uh, we shall be looking at products product that will be sort of meaningful and uh uh one that will also affect uh, some uh trading uh of uh, side Thai products to the Philippines. But what, we cannot uh we cannot set the deal on which product it uh, we will apply certain uh certain barriers or tariffs or safe drives.
0: Uh, what is getting in the way of an, amic- an amicable resolution? I mean, this has gone on for many years.
3: Uh, basically, again, uh, getting uh, a chance, an opportunity to meet with our counterparts and uh, assuming and, uh, so there will be still no action in the next uh, couple of weeks, then we'll make, uh, we will make our decision.
0: Is the Philippines ready to face retaliatory measures from Thailand?
3: Is the Philippines ready to what? Farther? Face
0: retaliatory measures from Thailand.
3: Yes, at the worst case. That, that's a fallback position that we are taking.
0: That goes against free and inclusive trade. And, and and it really just signals protectionism, don't you think, Secretary Mon? But that
3: that is just, uh, again, uh, a way to compensate uh, the Philippines. Uh, again, uh, we're exerting effort not to get to that point uh, because, you know, we are we are uh, trading partners in ASEAN. We are part of an FTA. We are just part of uh, the uh, ongoing uh, finalization of the RCEP. So, but this is really an isolated case uh, involving uh, an issue between us uh, and Thailand. So it is not uh, supposed to affect the overall trading uh, uh, arrangement we have with Thailand and uh, you know, both of us as part of ASEAN and RCEP.
0: Understood. Well, keep us up to speed on the progress in the uh, discussions. Thank you so much for taking our call, Secretary Mon.
3: All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, too, Kathy.
0: Trade Secretary Mon Lopez on the line there. The Securities and Exchange Commission orders the Philippine Stock Exchange's compliance arm to take over the operations of RNL Investments. This after the brokerage house was hit by a 700 million peso theft carried out by its employee. The regulator says the move will protect affected customer accounts. The commission cites Section 33 of the Securities Regulation Code, which mandates the exchange to take over the operations of an insolvent member firm and immediately proceed to settle the firm's liabilities. To of its customers. The SEC also ordered the exchange to determine whether RNL violated any rules and submit a report no later than December 20 this year for the purpose of instituting administrative or criminal action. The SEC points out in its 2018 audited financial statements, RNL investments booked client securities worth 700 million pesos. But the business partner report provided by the Philippine Depository and Trust Corporation showed the brokerage's client portfolio only amounted. To 132 million pesos. Clients of the now shuttered AMA Rural Bank of Mandaluyong may have to wait a while to receive their insured deposits. This after the bank's employees refused to turn over key documents to state regulators. Wadin de Guzman with the full story.
4: It's been a week since the Philippine Central Bank shut down the AMA Rural Bank of Mandaluyong the banking arm of the AMA group of companies of businessman Amable Aguiluz. Unfortunately for the bank's thousands of depositors, the Philippine Deposit Insurance Corporation is nowhere near paying off deposit insurance claims because AMA bank officials are not cooperating.
2: The bank employees refused to account for and turn over to the PDIC the records. Without these records, the PDIC will be unable to immediately pay the claims of
4: depositors. PDIC says they issued Friday demand letters to 65 key individuals at AMA Rural Bank, including directors, executives, and other accountable officers. Either they assist government in assessing AMA Bank's deposits and assets, or face criminal charges, including 6 to 12 years' imprisonment and up to 10 million pesos in fines. PDIC says normally, with the cooperation of the bank in receivership, deposit insurance can be paid out within 15 days of closure. Without any cooperation, the worst-case scenario would mean payouts in a year.
2: It's cruel. If we don't have the records, we can still pay, but it takes longer time. We don't know yet whether we can pay before Christmas or...
4: Clients of AMA Rural Bank are advised to get their savings and loan documents in order to allow for quicker processing and payment of claims. Depositors have been gathering all week at the bank's head office in Mandaluyong asking for their hard-earned money.
2: kasi din nung sa amin pera. Umasa kami na okay yung ano rito. kami. So nangyari. ako kasi... I'm loyal talaga Ame Bank.
4: I love Ame Bank. I love the people here. And while some are eager for a quick resolution so they can get their money back, there is at least one depositor who is hoping AMA can stay open.
2: Okay lang na medyo madelay, pero sana may, may makuha kami. Sayang yung pera talaga, pinag pinagtrabahohan naman namin yan. Yan ang malungkot, <laughs> kasi magpapasko. Dapat cooperation at saka ipakita yung proof kung talagang dapat hindi isara yung amadang.
4: AMA Rural Bank employees have been given 24 hours from receipt of the demand letters to comply. In the meantime, the bank's depositors are advised to contact PDIC for further instructions. Fora for depositors will also be scheduled starting November 21st. PDIC has yet to set the venues and exact time for each forum, but they may be held at some of the 13 branches of AMA Rural Bank. Warren De Guzman, ABS-CBN News.
0: And that's it for today. This is the podcast edition of Business Nightly. You can watch highlights, recaps, and exclusive content of our shows online. Subscribe to the ANC YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Thank you for joining us.